I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan and we're back for another edition of The Wokecast. It's me and my co-pilot, G. What's going on, G? What's up, Mike? So much to discuss. So happy for you to call. Yeah, same, same. I have to say, I'm pretty excited about this one because this is the old Dana White adage, isn't it? On paper, you goofs. How can you judge a card without actually having seen it? Man, I enjoyed this from top to bottom. It had everything. Okay, there was a little bit of bittersweet in there, but man, talk about going the full gamut in terms of emotions. Oh man, last night was like an emotional roller coaster, man, with the <laughs> with the controversy, with the, the flash knockouts, with you know what I mean? Like it was just wild, bro. Yeah. Yeah, Wild yeah. is a really good way of actually um, breaking it down. And speaking of breaking down, I think it's only right that we go into our usual um, modus operandi, and that is you break down two in terms of the prelims, and I break down two mm -hmm. in terms of the prelims. I'm going to do the ungentlemanly thing, and as we are talking about UFC Fight Night, Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad, I'm going to start off with the curtain jerker in terms of the prelims. Matthew Sellersberger versus Jason Witt. Now, I have to say, mm -hmm. <laughs> this, 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 this nickname had me hooked. I was kind of like invested in this guy. Semi the Jedi, uh, Sellersberger. The force was definitely strong in this one. I mean, talk about um, not getting paid for overtime. That pouring left that he put out there, um, trying to get a reaction from Witt. Though, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. I mean, really and truly, that straight down the pipe um, shot. I mean, you really wouldn't expect that in the opening stanza, and so much so that, you know, 16 seconds into the fight, it was all over. Yeah, I think um, our commentators on the broadcast got it right. Like, Jason Witt showed up, and he set up that low kick with no, just in range, and he didn't fake it or nothing. <laughs> I tweeted he looked just like me at my MMA classes after work. You know what I mean? When you're just straight kicking it in the gym. You're not training to be yeah. a professional. And Matthew capitalized off of that. He did exactly what a professional fighter does when you make a mistake mm. like that. You fucking counter and you knock the guy out. Like, no yeah. setup in range? Come on, Mike. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I love the way though, I don't know if you noticed, but um, Semmelsberger, the way that he was kind of like leaving his paw out there, like pouring away, just to see what the reaction was. And it was the same, exactly the same reaction every single time. So he was like, okay, let me switch it up a bit. Planted that right, yeah. seriously. It was, it was I mean, perfect. straight down the pipe, perfect. Yeah. yeah, boom, hit its target, done, over, cooked curry. Yeah, and meanwhile, Jason Witt, he's got like a hot cold. I like to call it like a hot cold career. You win one, you lose one. Like he lost his yeah. UFC debut to Takashi Soto, then he beat Cole Williams, and then now this. And also, there was like Daniel Cormier was trying to tout this as one of the fastest KOs, which it wasn't. But man, Matthew got it done in sixteen five seconds for the opening bout how about that so he did it in 16 seconds so who's done it faster um i mean the masvidal knee was faster right 
Yeah, oh, hold on a minute. Didn't Connor do it in 13 seconds? Correct. Yeah, I think Daniel Cormier just got like really excited because he's there <laughs> real time. And, you know, they like to spout off stuff before fact checking or they're, they're in the moment. So I'm not too pissed off at him because it was really fast, but it was not yeah. like groundbreaking, record breaking, anything like that. In fact, I think it was like the seventh fastest KO in the UFC. So it kind of did have its place in the record books, but it's the seventh fastest KO. Yeah. And not not the, the the top of the top as right. uh, Cormier was leading us to believe. Mm-hmm. But you're up next in terms of prelims. What actually uh, made you say whoa? Well, Mike, I'm gonna um, do three, but one will be an honor. Wow. Well, it's gonna no no. I know that's selfish, but let me just do it. You can't mention <laughs> an honorable mention. I just got to do a quick honorable mention for Nasrat Hakparas and Rafa Garcia mm. because I don't think anyone lost in this fight. Hear me out. Let me explain. Nasrat, he won unanimous decision, but however, his performance was brilliant. He stayed in Rafa's face. He never let Rafa get into a cadence or a rhythm and was throwing him off with striking first and being the first fighter, you know, in the center of the cage, commanding his presence and coming forward first. And I loved it. And he was dropping some nice, significant strikes. But man... The reason why I say Rafa wasn't a loser is because, man, this was his UFC debut. He looked pretty good. He just looked like he couldn't find his rhythm. And, Mike, we got to start respecting these Combate Americas or Combate Estrellas guys. They make their UFC debuts, and they look like people that have good fighting records, and they come correct. And that's why Nasrat, I like that he's a prospect, Mike, but he Mm. had faced some adversity with this guy. It was a a short and late notice replacement. He didn't know much about this guy coming in. Rafa came in tough with all that veteran experience, and Nasrat still faced adversity and beat him with a clear-cut dominant decision, unanimous. I was very impressed with his performance as a prospect, and that's why I wanted to give him an honorable shout-out. But for real, for real, I want to talk about Charles Jordan and Marcelo Rojo. You saw that fight, man? Mm. That was fun, fun, fun. Yeah. And also, Charles Jardin is somebody you got to look out for, okay? He's fun. You know, he's got a lot of crisp boxing. He goes for it when he needs to, and that's what we saw in this fight. I did think he was going um, down in this fight. In the first two rounds, I thought Marcella was um, getting the better of the exchanges. I thought he stayed in his face a bit more. And again, Mike, Marcelo is from Combate. Fun mm. fact, too, Mike. Do you know the guy, have you ever seen footage of the guy doing one, like he wins a fight and he does this really weird Velociraptor celebration, like he, Yeah. that is Marcelo Rojo, okay, fun fact, that's him doing that weird, I hate it by the way, but fans love it, (laughs) I think it's so awkward, but the story behind that is that that's like a shout out to his cousins and his family because they like dinosaurs and stuff, so... He kind of does that after a win, and it's a shout-out to his cousins, which I think is hella cute. But Mm. F all that. This is a combate dude. He came correct. And Charles Jordan, again, made the proper adjustments in the third round to come out and do that flash KO. Hit him with, like, a straight left. um, Then, you know, hit him with, like, some ground and pound. And then he had to beat Marcelo down to get that fight stopped, which I thought was pretty cool. But I liked the adjustments I saw in the third round. And I liked Marcelo Rojo's, um, I like his fighting style here. And again, I'm going to pay more attention to combate um, um, athletes because they come correct. And another Mm. fun fact about Rojo, he's a UFC Latin America um, contestant on on the Tough Show. 
So he's got some uh, credibility and some uh, fight experience, and I think we saw that in this fight. So I look forward to seeing both ah. of them fight again, Mike. Yes. Okay. What about you? You're up. Uh, I'm going to go with Rani Yaya and mm. um, Ray Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically throwing out strikes to set up that takedown. We know where that was actually going. We know that was his modus operandi. Mm-hmm. We know that's what he was actually going to go to. But I-, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but Randy's got some strikes on him. He has got some serious chops in terms of like stand up prowess. Now, I know, like I said, that was all part of the kind of like. Um, testing the defense to make sure that you know he can right, um, right, right. get the takedown. But when he got that takedown, I don't know if you noticed, but in the first, mm-hmm. basically, he was trying to set up that head and arm triangle, and it was almost as though he was testing what have you got by way of defense. Because in the second round, when he came back, he saw that it was weak. Yeah, so it ate him first. alive. Yeah, so so, it so it on in him. the second, in the second, he just went full pelt. Yeah, and just destroyed him until he succeeded. Yeah, it was it was for me that was kind of like textbook yeah. jits, just like chess playing. What have you got? Very, where are your pawns? Where are your rooks? Yes, where are your kings? Yes. Okay, show me. Very tactical. Didn't have anything. Exactly. Mm. And I did notice that, Mike. Like, you could tell he was playing around with that submission. Like, what do you got for yeah. me here? Do you know how to defend this? Or should I <laughs> should I transition to something else because you know how to defend this? Nope. I'm going to come mm. out round two, do the same damn thing, and put you out. And it was a beautiful performance. And a good reminder of folks. And, you know, I was in the Twitter spaces, and a lot of people were like, who's Ronnie Yaya or yada, yada, yada. And I think this fight is a good reminder that this guy's pretty good, and his jits is uh, top-notch. And big shout out to you in terms of like being in the um, Twitter spaces because your commentary, I mean, as usual, yesterday we had Twitter spaces before the fights and uh, during the fights. Your commentary, your perspective and your kind of like, "Mm, keep an eye on this guy. You know, I loved all that. So it it really does set up the perspectives and it made me like research a couple of guys. What's she talking about here? So yeah, I, I, I loved all of that. Speaking of spaces... Not only did we do ours um, before with um, Robin Black, and that was an experience itself because who should rock up? Oh, well, okay, I say who should rock up like it's a surprise. I actually <laughs> invited him, but Alex Lahore, and he had a few things to unpack oh, in terms nice. of the salaries that he wasn't paid in terms of the PFL signing was very, very big, very, very high news. And, um, you know, they did trumpet quite a lot of the new signings when they happened last year now I thought originally what he was saying by actually putting himself forward for the Octagon MMA shows was that he'd got a kind of partial release from um PFL to actually take part in those shows but no turns out that after his first loss um basically PFL just said nah we don't we don't want you so that's why he ended up taking two more fights on PFL. The latest has yet to play out. I think it's at the end of this month. But it was sad because, <clears throat> excuse me, getting choked up now. No, not really. <laughs> I got something in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, it was sad in that PFL have given this impression that they've given everybody a um, stipend in terms of a monthly allocation of funds that will tend or tide them over until they can like fight proper no such thing was actually happening across the board only certain people were entitled to that and as Alex told us 
last night he was one of those people who didn't get it hence the reason why he was hunting for a fight but not only did we have our own spaces but i have to say for me that the space of all spaces on twitter last night was Ariel hawani who co-hosted his with um Darren uh, Darren Till, it was absolutely hilarious. So if you haven't checked out Spaces, there are a few of them going on. There are a few of them going down, typically um, before fights um, take place. So follow us, um, and that's Mike Woe TV, and they can follow you at... Just Gina MMA. And Mike, I have to say that um, last night in Twitter Spaces, um, where the hell were you? Last night, Bilal's I... Uh, was interviewed in Twitter Spaces, and he, wow, <laughs> someone created a parody account of Bilal's eye in like 30 seconds of him being poked, jumped into the Twitter Spaces, and we did a full in-depth interview on the eye. He said You're he's, he said he's hurt, but he'll be back. It's not permanent damage, and he's trying to get some sponsors from Visine. So you know that was breaking news in the Twitter Spaces. It is so <laughs> fucking ridiculous in there, Mike. Like one minute we're breaking down stuff with Robin Black, and it's all serious mm. and then you jump into kgb's or you know <laughs> amy's um words you know twitter space and it's a hilarious mess i implore everybody to jump in and talk with us about mma but mike let's get back into it we gotta talk about angela hill's performance against ashley Yoder. Mm. you ready i have to say hands up here and i i i have to put my hands up in terms of honesty here. i fell asleep halfway through this fight and I'm Aww. glad I did because I, 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 I caught up or I can catch up with it later on today. But uh, it left me feeling really refreshed that I could take on the entire main card feeling wide awake. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you there. So this is going to be a revelation for me, what you're about to tell me now. <laughs> so, you know, this is a rematch. Angela won the first fight. And this fight, she clearly won the unanimous decision. I truly believe this is one of her best performances yet. Mike, she showcased knees, hard right hands. When she had Ashley Yoda hurt, she did try to sit on her punches and try to put her out. But in the middle of trying to put her out, Ashley Yoda would get a takedown, which was throwing me off, you know, because Angela Hill would have the momentum, and then Ashley Yoda would trip her up or take her down, and mm. I thought to myself, man, Angela looks really good out there, but she still needs to work on her takedown defense. Ashley Yoda was outclassed, beat up, and I loved Angela's performance, but Mike, I just wanted to ask you a question about this, though. Do you think that Angela Hill has plateaued and she's hit her ceiling as far as seeing improvements? And do you think we'll see her fight for a title? That was like a hot topic in, um, again, in Twitter spaces. There are people that are like, look, I love her. She's, she's fun. She's a fan favorite. But because of her age and because it's like we're not really seeing so much improvement in, in the given time that she has, people think that she's plateaued and she's reached her ceiling. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? I don't think there's anything wrong in plateauing if you're plateauing to a level where you're putting on dominant performances. From what you said there, and like I say, full disclosure, I've not seen the fight, but from what you've just described, I'm hearing dominance, I'm hearing one-sided, I'm hearing that she put on an excellent display in terms of where her skills and capabilities are. So that isn't a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an insert. Again, Twitter spaces, you missed out on it. Again, please join us when we set these things up. Some of the conversations are so awesome. And a lot of folks are just, they love Angela Hill, Mike, but they're starting to mm. think, can she contend with, like, 
you know, the fighters in the, in, in the top of the division. Can she fight for a title? Can she be successful? And last night, Ashley Yoder, you know, she was taking her down at, you know, pretty pivotal moments of the fight when Angela yeah. had the momentum. So I do see some work needs to be done still in the takedown area but i did like what i saw last night so i was a bit perturbed when i heard people saying ah she's reaching her ceiling but i'm like is she she put on a damn good performance last night but you know i'm biased she's a um woke cast favorite on here we've had her on the show so i love angie but i think she same yeah i think she put on a really good performance and ashley yoda goes to the back of the line you know Mm. i mean speaking of spaces and speaking of um, Angela Hill what I feel I will do um, if she's up for it is invite her for a Twitter Spaces chat Q&A with the fans on Saturday before the fights actually start because I invited her to not last week's but the weeks before and she turned up but because I was so new to Twitter Spaces I fumbled the actual controls and I kicked her off so <laughs> I really oh, do no. owe her <laughs> I owe her a forum so I'm going to actually put that out there. Thanks for the timely reminder. I do feel that we we need to hear from Angela Hill, considering it's been a while since we've both spoken to her. And um, you'll be co-hosting that if you know she does actually agree to come on board. You damn right I'll be co-hosting. I can't wait for something like that. You know I love Angie. <laughs> so, main card. Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. Oh, now. Lord. Uh, you know, you say, oh, Lord, but we know what's coming now. But before that actually comes here or before that actually arrives, I was deeply worried when I saw Eric Anders walking out looking like, you know, with abs on his back or, and shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. I mean, really and truly, he looked like Fit. a Hulk. Yes. And I, and when, you, you know, he, he stood like in the cage, I thought, Jesus, he is massive. When you compare the two, I thought. Darren's going to be in for some trouble here. Now, saying all that, Darren Stewart looked great. He started nice. He was nice and flowy, really relaxed. And he actually drew blood from Anders early as well. But what but, happened? Anders, like, well, started kicking his ass out yes, of nowhere. Yes, I did not see this. And I'm not like you, Mike. I really, when Eric came out, I was like, man, he's really fit. And he looks really good. But when you're fighting a beast like Darren Stewart, you have to be fit. Remember, when Darren Stewart fought Kevin Holland, what did we hear Kevin Holland say? Ooh, you strong. So Eric Anders Mm. was like, let me put some muscle on and get some weight on and get strong for this dude. Darren Stewart is a strong man. But I have to admit, Mike, that I picked Darren Stewart to win because I think he's the better boxer. Eric Anders is an athlete, but he's still developing and yada, yada, yada. But what? You tell me, Darren Stewart, your man, you in the UK, explain to me how Eric Anders was getting, touching up Darren Stewart the way that we saw. What happened, Mike? It's, it's, It's that simple in that. You, you've nailed it when you talk about his size, when you talk about um, he used that size. I mean, noticeably bigger frame would be, he would have gone to waste if he didn't use it. And he did. He used that size up against the cage where the fight ended, when you think about it, with an illegal knee. That's how he was able to, you know, get ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was... Um 
I was quite blown and disappointed with that knee. First and foremost, another one. Last week we had yeah. an illegal knee. And now, you know, mm. the Twitter sphere is going to be about all about knees and eye pokes. And I hate when we spend time talking about that dumb shit. And it's <laughs> like, Mike, what is going on? Are these knees intentional? Are they unintentional? Are they getting caught up in the heat of the moment? And also, too, Mike, since when can a ref kind of decide when it's unintentional or not, too? Don't you think that's kind of weird that you can be like, hey, you did it on purpose, but no, you didn't. How the fuck do you know? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. And and the answer to that is they cannot decide that. But, you know, I I could see just from the trajectory, just from the way that he placed that, it, it looked accidental from where I was sitting. How about you? I think so, too. And I think like a lot of people get caught up in the moment. And, you know, I know we get mad at fighters all the time. And we got mad at Greg Hardy. We get mad at Peter Yan. We got mad at like, what was it? Like Eddie Alvarez has done it, too, right? Like he's thrown a knee against Dustin Poirier. And I think Mm. sometimes they get caught up in the moment. But I just don't think it's fair that someone gets to decide whether it's intentional or not. And one fight is a DQ. The next fight is a no contest. Like MMA has some cleaning up to do in its rules. And I don't know where to point the blame with Eric Anders and Darren Stewart. But just the, the no contest is just bullshit for both of them. You know, they went out there, they gave it their all. Eric had the upper hand and now it's a fucking no contest. Like, where do you go from here, you know? Uh, and that's what I was about to say. You, you, you are such a mind reader. Where do you go from here? Because I personally don't want to see Eric Anders, Darren Stewart too. Because from what I was seeing and in the closing stands of just before that illegal knee um, found its home, Darren Stewart was getting his hand or he's getting his ass handed to him. Yeah, and I was shocked. Yeah. I didn't see that coming at all none of us did i think a lot Mm -hmm. of us picked darren to win so i don't know maybe perhaps eric anders prepared quite well for him put on the weight put on the muscle and and yep maybe just had the better camp or or maybe darren stewart felt like us maybe we overlooked eric anders who knows we'll have to talk to darren or maybe you can slide up in the dms and get the scoop or something mike Well, yeah, I I think it was Chisanga, when you think about it, Mm -hmm. um, in the week, was telling us that Darren Stewart didn't have a camp. Where is he training? The gyms are shut over here. In the UK, we're we're still coming out of a lockdown. So he didn't have a camp. He was doing things like going for jogs in the the park, using benches to actually do sit-ups, press-ups, and actually elevate his body to, you know, get a workout. Now, you're using your natural habitat, your natural environment. So where's the sparring? Where are the rounds coming from? Where's the sharpening? um, Or where does iron sharpen iron when you're just working out by yourself? So you've got to take that into consideration. Eric Anders, yeah, he was still getting gym work in because I think the last time um, that I spoke to him, this was um, when the first, (coughs) excuse me, when the first lockdown kicked in, Mm -hmm. he said to me that he was sneakily um, getting into the gym. And he was sneakily getting his training in. Yeah. There was nothing that was going to stop that because he has to He has to fight. He's got to put uh, food on the table. So yeah. Darren was at a disadvantage from where I was sat. Yeah, and it's it's so funny. We discussed this on Shots Fired. I believe Kairos brought it up. Like, is the pandemic affecting fighters? Fuck yeah. It's, it's affecting their training, their performance, their health everything even these late replacement fights and yada 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 the pandemic is really having an impact on our sport mike it's unreal mm. but mm. what no, can you do definitely yeah yeah 
Next up, Manel Karp versus, <coughs> excuse me, Mateus Nicolau. Now, what's what's up with your boy? I don't know. I was just about to ask you. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I, I've got to admit, the slow start, the feeling out process is what was going through my mind in the first. I mean, his corner, his corner were absolutely brilliant, telling him that he needed to be busier when he got into, um, well, when it, when he went to his corner. Mm-hmm. And what they were giving him by way of um, instruction was perfect. Every time that he got into range, um, Nicolau would take him down. So they were saying to him, look, fire at range. Basically keep him at the end of your punches. Make sure that you are busier mm-hmm. and in the second man he put a lot more punches together and he put them together with speed and that's why I'm not going to lie I was surprised you know as we got into the third um, and we heard that it was a split decision against Cape now I thought he won the second round is where I think that he stole the action and for me the third round when you look at the strikes landed look Manel actually landed 74 mm-hmm. to Nicolau's 53. Now, I that to that. me tells a very intriguing story. Yeah, Come on yeah. now. Isn't it weird when, like, you go into the stats and the losing yeah. fighter has more strikes than yeah. the winning fighter? It mm, always throws me the weird. fuck off. And it always has me like, well, you're not a judge, Gina. Shut the fuck up. But I, I still be so confused. And to be honest with you, Mike, when it came to this fight, I was underwhelmed. Mm. Didn't really pay much attention. And I'm really holding on to every word because I'm disappointed in my man, Manuel, yo. Like, I'm high up on this dude. Did some research on him, watched a couple of fights of his, and he comes to the UFC and he's a bit underwhelming. I believe yeah. he likes to watch his work a little bit too much. After he lands a hard, significant strike, he's like looking at it. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, he fights like he has all the time in the world to get things done. And you know, I hate talking about fighters like this because I'm just a fan, but these are just merely mm. my observations. Like, does he think he has 10 rounds to get the job done? And he just loves to look at his work, a lot of fainting, a lot of, it's just a lot of not getting the job done, you know? But you, you see, I, I've got to admit that I was mesmerized by Cap because he moves beautifully. He punches. I mean, it's his, almost his like textbook. crazy, yeah. I, I, as though he's he's putting on a masterclass or some kind of demonstration. So I can't really wrong him for admiring his handiwork. But that's not what it's about. As his corner said, look, you need to be busier, man. You need to be doing more in this. And um, I personally felt that he took that on board, especially, as I say, in the second. Yeah, I mean, I was... I, I, I still need to rewatch that fight. I'm unsure as, as to who won. I'm leaning towards Manuel. But I think it's really funny how he he takes losses so poorly. Did you see how just he was shocked again that he lost and whatnot? And I'm worried he's one of those guys that comes over from another organization with a lot of hype and a lot of talk and just can't really transition to the UFC caliber of opponents. Like it's it's two in a row now that he's having these like type of performances. So I don't know, Mike. His next fight out, he's he definitely has to win, or he'll just be someone that just couldn't cut it in the UFC, even though he came with a lot of hype. I've got a feeling that next time we see Manel Cap, it's going to be against someone who we know that he's been gifted. We know what he's supposed to do, and he'll put on a masterclass. He I can't better. see them. I, I I can't see them actually wasting the investment in terms of what they paid him to 
right. to sign because best believe he didn't come in on the 10 and 10 signing figure that most people come in right. on. No way. He's reminding me of like, uh, you remember that guy, Will Brooks? Or am I getting his name? Um, yeah, Ill Will Brooks. Yeah, he, But he won so far. So far, Manel Cap hasn't won anything. Yeah. Yeah, but remember, Will Brooks came over with a, a lot of hype, and then it was like, yeah. when he came over. And I don't want Manuel going down that same path. But we shall mm, see. Mm. We shall see. Davy Grant versus Jonathan Martinez. Now, <laughs> what a fight. Boy, oh boy. This, for me, was where we got to celebrate the, the best of British. That heavy shot left hook in the first put Grant down. But. I have to say, with 19 seconds of the round to go, that kind of like I feel solidified in his mind. Look, mate, I've I've got to I've got to do something special. I've got to take something in terms of um, what my trainers are shouting to me from the corner and do something with it. Because really and truly, that setup was beautiful. The body Wasn't shot, it? and then when you threw that left hook, it was like that was with savage intentions yes, man. I mean that's why too. they call him dangerous yeah that is why they call him dangerous and that body shot was riveting like it was hard and then that like you said when he came swinging with that left hook man the fight was mm. he dropped Jonathan Martinez which is a, a um you know like Jonathan is pretty fucking tough man you got to put that kid away or injure him in his fights you know what I'm saying so that was a pretty impressive win and shout out to Kairos for really making me pay attention to Davy Grant I told him that last night in Twitter spaces like he told us to watch out for this guy and this kid was a firecracker so I'm gonna pay more attention to Davy Grant what what a beautiful performance on his part and I love when fighters listen to their corner come out and get the fucking job done love it yeah love it Dan Ige versus Gavin Tucker. What did you make of this? Shit, that's what I make of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan Ige making a hell of a statement. And you know why I like this um, performance? Because Dan Ige's the type of guy, like, when he fought Edson Barbosa, I didn't think he won. And he's in a lot of, like, scrappy barn burner type of fights. And with this first round KO with one punch, he makes a fucking statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I am. Talk about living up to his name. There 50K. you go. And I think he puts the featherweight um, division finally on notice, even though he's a really good fighter. He's just one of these people that needed this breakout performance, even though it was short and only 22 seconds. He had to put this guy down to show everybody, listen, you better start taking me fucking serious. And that's yeah. what he did. And Gavin Tucker's no fucking slouch. That's a well-rounded <laughs> dude. And beautiful timing on that punch, Dan. I mean, what else can you say, Mike? Yeah, sat down on that right and it was over. And I mean, talk about one shot, one kill. Yeah, and the timing on it, flawless. And, you know, it just goes to show you, like, how beautiful these guys and how well they train and that sometimes when fighters do this, I'd be like, that's a fucking professional fighter. That's what you do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. What'd you think of Misha and Ryan Spann? I, uh... Kind of second off. Yeah, I kind of. I told my Twitter followers, listen, I'm picking Misha because he's better on the ground and I think he's the better fighter. But Ryan Spann, you can never count him out because he can just come out of nowhere and knock you out. Come on, come on. Always bet on Superman. Always bet on Black. Why? Ryan he makes the Spann worst showing... mistakes in the case. Like his fight IQ, Mike, will make you sick. <laughs> but he has the power. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't know, when I see an S on a man's chest, that's kind of commitment to the cause. That's commitment to the man of steel. So you have to rep that. And come on, 
giving me his due. You're right. Some of the times, um, he does make bad decisions, but a lot. Man, securing that KO that was just like straight textbook Superman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit. it really was Superman shit, but I do worry about him relying on his athleticism a whole lot. Because remember, yeah. he almost smoked Johnny Walker in the same fashion, and then what happened? Johnny Walker came back and put him down. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ryan Spann has to develop a little bit more and work on that fight IQ, but I don't want to take away from his win because this was also a hell of a statement. Misha Serkinov is quite the, quite the competitor, and Ryan Spann put him out regardless of what my thoughts thoughts are on his athleticism he got the dub yeah and he did it in very tremendous and outstanding fashion and dana likes that so this is a win no matter how he got it and what you think of him in his fight iq he did a great job and put down a name misha krokinoff that's that's good work exactly yeah, am i yeah. misremembering um recent fights i'm talking when i say recent i mean you know within the last two years because I think in terms of the camera work, the camera does seem to either pick up a lot of the emotion or is concentrating, hunting for that emotion because, you know, Ryan Spann being in floods of tears isn't something that I'd expect to see, isn't something which I think that um, has been emphasised before, but of late, the camera does seem to be picking up these emotional victories, this outpouring of you know, crying it. and um uh, yeah same same here it, it makes them so human it makes them uh, so relatable as well but yesterday as i say it kind of made me think i really do need to look back in terms of archive footage within the last couple of years to see how much emphasis has been put on well making them human yeah yeah i love it i love the emphasis on making them human I love when we get those beautiful cinematography slow-mo camera shots on top of making yeah. them human and showing the intensity mm. in their eyes or showing them cry. And again, I've been watching MMA for over 20 years. I'm not mad that the fans are no longer in, in attendance because I've been watching MMA so long that I've gotten my fill of fans, but now I'm getting my fill of hearing fighters cry, hearing fighters get beat up, and hearing kicks that sound like bats. You know what I'm saying? And, and the corner, and the and corner, the corner and, instruction, and the emotion. We we with no fans, we are privy to Kevin Holland talking shit to Jacare for him to get up and to smash him like that, and for yeah, and for us to hear Bilal Muhammad cry the way that he did last night. You only get that with no fans. I get fans i get some fans want them back they want the intensity and that background noise of the fans but you got to appreciate the fact that we're getting some really intimate stuff here without them oh 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean speaking of the intimate stuff that we're getting i mean <laughs> this main event now Jesus. leon edwards versus bilal muhammad let's just pause right there though because I had to be G'd up for this. I'm not going to lie. I'll just, you know, give you the full kind of like SP on this. I'll give you the full spiel on this. I'll give you the full background on it. I felt that, you know, this was obviously a fill-in. For me, I was always looking forward to um, the, the original um, lineup, the originally build lineup for this. And it was Leon Edwards and um, Kamzat Chemaev. And this, to me, was always a, a poor second, a fill-in. It was always, you know, Bilal Muhammad was the stunt double. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to actually work up and accept that, look, this is the fight that you're being treated to now. And I like, try and look at, you know, something in terms of an intriguing 
matchup here in the fact that oh they've got the same um, same same record and um, they're famed for their their stand-up aggressive style so I was trying to like you know really convince myself that this was something to kind of really yeah. get up for but in all honesty it was quickly apparent especially the fact that Leon was supposedly um, 600 days out of the cage he looked incredible. That was a dominating first round, backing Muhammad up, wobbling him with that head kick at one point, yeah. also drawing blood. Now, he looked amazing for somebody, as I say, who's been out of the cage 600 days, and he'd been saying it in the build-up, in the lead-up to the fight. Look, cage rust doesn't exist. For me. Yep. It doesn't exist for me. Yeah, and he now, he looked that way. I mean, I, I thought that he still needed to make adjustments, but he still looked yeah. wonderful you know, after a two-year layoff. And I, I I agree with you, Mike. I just wasn't excited about, about this fight. I love Bilal. Nah. He's a fan favorite. But he's just not of Leon's caliber. So you can't really get excited about a fight that you know this is not going to be that competitive sometimes. And then Leon Edwards isn't Amanda Nunes where you know, like, this could be a sacrifice. This could be just a beating. And I think that's what we were going to see, either like a, a stoppage of some sort from like a, you know, a TKO, or possibly, you know, Leon was going to win a unanimous decision easy with Bilal. But how can you get excited about like a gimme fight? I feel like Bilal took this fight because no one else was going to fight Leon's, but it didn't really make for a competitive fight. So how do you get excited about that? But Well, exactly. And the fact that, you know, really and truly, this was this was this was the B side to what effectively was an A side matchup, exactly. and it was hard to get excited <clears throat> from that level. But in terms of what actually transpired, look, you know, Leon, we love him, but he was actually warned about the angle of his fingers in the first round. Now, I know that the fight was annoyingly called off because of that deep eye poke, and it was deep. If Jesus you've seen the pictures, Christ. it was horrific. Yeah. But uh, this is my first question to you on mm-hmm. this. Could it have been avoided given the strict instructions that he was given about look, watch your fingers? And he was he was he was guided through what was permissible, what was acceptable and what wasn't. Yeah. Now given that he'd had that instruction and demonstration, do you feel as though he's gotta take hundred percent responsibility for what actually happened there? I think so, because I think he got caught up in the moment, though. I will say that. I think what Leon was doing, I believe they call it framing. Like, he was just, like, putting his fingers out to to test the range of that kick because he was setting up, like, what was it called? A... Um, like a cross head kick or something like that. That's what he was saying in the, in the post fight. And excuse my um, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, no, like that is what he said. Right, yeah. and he was framing, meaning he was testing the range. So you put your arm out to see if like your leg is that long, so that you can, you know, um, hit your opponent. In in lack of a better words, and I think he just got caught up in doing that in the fight, and he didn't take heed to the warning. But here's the thing that I think is interesting. He was warned, and it still happened. How come it wasn't intentional? Yeah. Jan, um, in his fight, he was warned too, through the knee anyway, and it's a DQ, right? Wasn't Leon warned and then he did something that caused this? Why wasn't, like, you see what I'm saying, where the UFC needs to clean up their rules? Like, I, I don't, how do you know no, if something's exactly. intentionally I, or not? It, just stop. If, if you do something that makes a fight, you know, if you, stop. If you injure a fighter, shouldn't it just be like a no contest or just a straight DQ? Yeah. 
Yeah. What's I this mean, in between? What's this gray area? You know. Speaking of which, I mean, <laughs> you shouldn't laugh. I know this is really, really petty, but it did make me chuckle when, at the end, um, they were obviously doing the the, the announcement, and you've got Herb Dean lifting up below and I I thought, oh my god, what what is what what is going? Actually. No, no, no. I'm I'd getting rather, up. I'd was, rather Dean do that than have somebody get killed because he was on the other side of the octagon. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Dean just always caught up in some mess. He didn't even know who won, but you can't blame him this time because the shit was so confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of confusing, no, no, no. I'm, I'm getting confused. It was in the Eric Anders, uh, Darren Stewart fight that he did that. Oh, he my was bad, lifting my up bad. Eric, Eric, Eric <laughs> Anders' hand, and it made me think. Jesus, Herb. I mean, how much does did you actually smoke before each fight? And is it permissible to smoke? But anyway, right, going right, back bad, to um, Bilal Muhammad, so I completely botched that. But it, it, it made me it made, it made me you think of that chuckle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um, I, I think that Bilal Muhammad is coming out really like um, in anticipation or trying to actually get this as a rematch um, rebook oh, because. See it. Yeah. He, well, he's put out this statement, which you know does kind of make you feel that is uh, that is quite a leading statement. This is what he said: mm-hmm. "Never saw someone." This is on Twitter. Never saw someone act so tough after poking someone in the eye. The fight was just getting going, and if you're satisfied to end it on that note, you're soft. You ain't getting a title fight off that. I took the fight on three weeks' notice and came to fight. Run it back. Now, there is a lot to unpack in there. Yes, he did take it on three weeks' notice. Yes, um, there is kind of like a measure of a man who could actually look at that fight, being part of that fight, and be happy to actually move on from that fight. So I can see where he's coming from now. Plus the fact, do you remember I said at the beginning how much ownership should Leon take in terms of the fact that he was warned? He had an able demonstration of what it and where his fingers should be. And um, basically, it made me think taking ownership should make you feel as though you need to put things right by virtue of the fact that you're responsible and Bilal Muhammad kind of needs his day back in the Octagon Review. Now, am I speaking out of turn here? Am I being a little bit kind of like the, um, well, Bilal Muhammad stand here? Uh, I think a little bit because you're in favor of him getting. <laughs> you're in favor of him getting this rematch. Yeah, run, okay. running it yeah. back let because me bring you back. of what actually happened there. Let me bring, okay, let so me bring so you take, home. Bring me back. Yeah, take a seat and let G bring you home. Um, <laughs> here's the thing about that, Bilal. First of all, I think Bilal is trying to get a rematch by embellishing in his tweet a little bit. Leon Edwards was mm. nothing but unapologetic. Excuse me, Leon Edwards after the fight was apologetic in his post-fight interview and in, you know also in the post-fight conference. You understand like yeah. he apologized yeah. for what he did and he also mm. said it wasn't intentional. So that's one. So I don't get like the tough guy thing or whatever. And let's not I don't get that. Yeah, he wasn't that, being a tough guy. When on. he he yeah. he apologized to you Bilal, so I don't see the tough guy act and he's consistently mm. apologizing and not bragging. He's not doing a Peter Yan. He didn't hurt you and now he's making memes making fun of you. Okay, so he's being a professional about it and he's apologized. That's one. But I couldn't I understand what Bilal's doing. He's trying to ruffle up some feathers to get that rematch because he's he wasn't supposed to have that fight in the first place. So, of course, he wants to run it back. Here's the thing. Leon was beating his ass. We don't need to see it again. And 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 (laughs) also Bilal 
like he wasn't in the mix in the first place. Like he was supposed mm-hmm. to fight Shemaev or someone like Wonderboy. Bilal just got a lucky break and was a late replacement. And also to heal up Bilal. That eye looked horrible. He needs to be in a dark room, follow the doctor's guidelines, and let his eye <laughs> heal and let Leon figure out the debacle of his career right now. Let him figure out what's going on. In my heart, in my mind, body, and soul, mm. I think he should fight mm. Leon. Ed, uh, excuse me, he should fight Wonder Boy, win that fight, and and fight for the title. I don't think he should go back down, wait even longer for Bilal's eye to be cleared, and then rematch somebody he shouldn't been fighting in the first place. No, you give him somebody closer to title contention, which is Wonder Boy. They duke it out, and if Leon wins, he fights Usman. That's it. What do you think? I'm going to say something crazy yeah. uh, in, in a minute, but I want to take you back because you skirted around the point which I, I think is very pertinent here. Mm-hmm. This is of Leon's making. Put it right. How you put it right, you give the man his due. Yes, as you rightly say, he's kicking his ass, but he robbed him of actually seeing that to fruition. We've seen fights where um, someone might be kicking ass one minute mm-hmm. and is destroyed the next. But here's the I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen, yeah. but he has robbed him of that possibility. I, I do agree with you on that. He did rob him of that possibility. But Leon Edwards can fight somebody else. Why does he have to give Bilal Muhammad a favor? Like, it wasn't intentional. He was winning in the first place. They shouldn't have been fighting in the first place. Let Leon fight someone that's closer to title contention. Let Bilal heal up and fight somebody that he should be fighting, somebody closer to the rankings, of his rankings. I just don't understand why Leon has to give him another bout. Why? They shouldn't have been fighting in the first place. Because Leon was giving out free eye examinations, free <laughs> unintentionally, free, free, yeah, free deep tissue eye examinations, yeah. and really and truly, as I say, look, he was warned about this. It's not as though he didn't actually get any guidance. It's not as though he didn't get any physical demonstrations. What I'm saying is, you know, over and beyond is what was actually um, attempted to make him aware that look. Your hands, they don't need to be there. They need to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hence the reason why I'm pushing that angle. I'm kind of surprised you're pushing this angle because it's like, I feel like I'm from the UK and I'm supporting Leon Edwards and your <laughs> ass is over here supporting Bilal Muhammad. This is insane. I never thought I would see this. And I, I stand strong on my opinion too. I really think this fight was a mishap. It's, it's fucked up. It's a no contest. Mm. Let's move on. I literally feel to, like we need to move on from this. Like, I don't see honest, why he gets a rematch. I'm, I'm stuck on that, Mike. And I'm sh- yeah. I can't believe you feel that way, but go ahead. Well, well you know, to a certain extent, I am playing devil's av- avocado. Mm-hmm. Av- avocado? Devil's advocate. Oh, you because... hungry, Mike? You talking about avocado? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am starving. My stomach is rumbling right now. Um, now, um, yeah, in terms of where he goes next, I know you're not going to like this, but Set up Kamzat Chemaev. Let's make that happen in June. This is when he's apparently going to be fit for purpose, ready. Why not make that happen? Yep. Look, fourth time's a charm. Yep. Let's make that happen. And I think then, and he's a formidable opponent. This isn't somebody, yes. even though he's not like high up on the rankings, he's a dangerous mm. dude right now, and it'll make for a good fight and a good test for Leon. That's Thank the you. fight I want to see, not Bilal Muhammad. Or yeah. or Wonder Boy, you see my point. Like you kind of get it when it's Shemaev. You don't get it when it's Wonder Boy. But I'm telling no. you, leave Bilal Muhammad alone. Let that eye heal, 
and let him like develop as a fighter. They're they're just should they're not of the same caliber. And Leon no. kind of showed us that last night. One hundred percent. But just on this whole eye poke scenario, here we are again. You know, this is a cyclical argument, a cyclical mm. point. It keeps recurring as a theme. What are we going to do about these eye pokes? I don't know. I don't. Um, I think nothing, to be honest with you. I see a lot of people on my timeline already engaging in, in online debates about Dana changing the gloves. Y'all better mm. cut that shit out. Dana don't like change. Why? Because Dana don't like change. It's not uh. that I'm against it. It's just that it's not happening. Let's move forward. Like we have been, we will always discuss going back to the pride gloves or whatever gloves work to like eliminate the eye pokes. I just don't think the man that sits at the top, Dana White, is down for this. He doesn't like change. He won't do tournaments. He doesn't like anything that doesn't affect change unless it's like cost effective, like the contender series or something. You know what I mean? Like we are not getting new gloves. And instead of focusing on getting new gloves, we need to focus on this DQ, no contest, unintentional and intentional bullshit first. And then then also to the fighters. The fighters need to be cognizant of their fingers being out, whether their coaches need to remind them in training, look out, you don't, you know what I mean? Like if you start like being really hard on them in the octagon, whether you take a point right away, no warning, or whether, you know, they start losing fights as a DQ for this, they're going to start to take, get their shit together. So I don't know if the answer is new gloves, but I know that it's not worth even fighting about it when Dana's not going for it, bro. Yeah. Uh, you see, I, I hear that, but once he starts to look at the fact that this could be, again, something that we're going to revisit in the near future and could, again, affect the main event, surely, you know, we need to do something instead of having these cyclical discussions about Absolutely. gloves. Yeah. I mean, it can happen next week on the next card. You never, you never go. know. Yeah. There you go. One thing that you said that intrigued me just before mm-hmm. we, we wrap up, I, I mean, I'm intrigued by this. You have really clearly set out why Bilal Muhammad shouldn't get a rematch because you, in your words, you said Leon Edwards was kicking his ass. Now, for me, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. So then why not just give him the title shot then? Because the whole setup was win this, which this is what it looked like that he was doing, Win this, and you'll get your title shot. So why aren't you advocating for him to get the title shot then? Because he pokes someone in the eye after being warned <laughs> by the referee. So he can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't. It's the same thing with, like, Peter Yan. If 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 Aljo does not want to give him an immediate rematch because he doesn't want to yeah. reward a cheater or someone that intentionally did something to get the fight mm. DQ'd, you, mm. I, I'm in support of Aljo, even though I want to see the immediate re- rematch. You just... I don't know. It just doesn't seem right for you to kind of poke someone in the eye. And then now you're fighting Usman. That's that's not how you get a title shot. That would look really bad in the in with the fans, with the company, everything. That would look terrible. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did say that that was going to be the last thing um, just before we go. But just before we go, just to kind of celebrate the fact that this week is uh, is G week. Look, today is the Wokos Sunday. This is when this is coming out. It's 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 uh, the new day now for mm-hmm. the Wokos. Monday, and that is tomorrow, will be Trash OMFG. G will be back on Trash OMFG. Look it up via iTunes, Spotify, and all good 
platforms she will be helping me review films on trash omfg and make sure you subscribe over there so you've got sunday locked off you've got monday locked off and again you're back in the house on wednesday we're recording on tuesday but it's out on wednesday shots fired so this is g week Man, G Week is a good week, man. All this podcasting <laughs> shit ain't nothing but fun to me. Fun, fun, fun. And then we go online and we discuss our takes and all this stuff. Like I'm having a ball, and y'all are keeping me company during a time when we we're not we're not even supposed to be going outside. Mike, isn't this the perfect time to be doing all this stuff during lockdown and COVID blues? You know. So thank you to Absolutely you and amazing. the community holding us down. You know. And finally, uh, I mean, I, I say uh, you've got Sunday, you've got Monday, and uh, you've got Wednesday. You'll have Saturday as well, because if um, Angie does say, yeah, I'm down for chat in Twitter spaces, <laughs> you're going to be locking that off as well. Absolutely. And Mike, it is your <laughs> responsibility to text, WhatsApp, and to get on my ass, because you know I be forgetting all types of shit. So please just give me a nudge for these appearances. And lastly, Mike, let's give a... Uh, shout out and also their condolences for our man marvelous Marvin Hagler who passed away recently yeah uh, and that, that that is a that is a travesty and um the connection to the fact that you know he it, this is what I'm reading it was connected to the second jab um that he'd received for COVID-19 oh man complications arising from that this is what I read this morning. I mean, he he is a phenomenal athlete. Now, when you think of that athletic nature and, you know, when you think of his prowess in, in the ring and then for him to actually, you know, be kind of like you know, taken from this earth because of a COVID-19 jab, it really does make you ponder. It really does make you think. It's made me ponder. It's made me think anyway. Mike, um, what do you mean by COVID-19 jab? Oh, the uh, sorry, the um, the vaccination. Oh, oh my God! I was over here like riding with you, sad for Marvin, and then stuck on that word. Like, what the fuck is Mike talking about? A jab? I'm you thinking see? of a jab. Like, a, I was like, he COVID punched him. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> wow. So I, I, I I'm so hungry that I'm talking nonsense. But no, apparently the um, vac- he had complications the reports, with the vaccine. He had. That's right. Jesus, wow, he must have had an allergic reaction. And and again, folks, for those that are worried about the vaccine, this is what you need to worry about. You're not going to grow a third titty in, in 10 years. Like everyone's so worried about like the long-term effects, but that's ignorant. You need to worry about if you have allergies or if you're allergic to this the moment it goes in your arm. So if you want to yeah. do some independent reading and, and, and teach yourself about the safety of vaccines and stuff like that, that is what you need to worry about. Do some reading on the immediate allergic effects of the vaccine i'm telling you right now you're not going to grow a third head or a third titty in 10 years that's not how like reactions work and um again you know r.i.p to one of the greatest boxers ever i mean he's been in so many wars i mean i was a little girl watching him with my parents and my older brother and he's put on some wonderful bouts and he's a tough so he will be missed in the boxing community absolutely I mean, what I should say, just to clarify, just to make sure that people are on the same page I'm on. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just saying that if you read the report, like I'm reading one now, um, anti-vaxxers have actually hijacked um, the whole conversation around um, COVID-19. 
uh, well, the, the, the COVID-19 vaccination, because what they're saying is um, this is a direct result of this. Um, but what they're not pointing out is that, you know, people do have adverse reactions to it. Now, they're rare, and this is one right. uh, example of an adverse reaction. You know, Marvin Hagler, his, his, his death has actually been attributed to this. But yeah. also, um, you know, it, it's not, it's not commonplace is, is no, the word I'm common. grasping for. Yeah. It's not common. It's like you said, adverse. It doesn't occur often. And if you have any concerns about the vaccine, it should be the initial plunge into your arm, not the long term effects. That's what I mean by that. Like a lot of people are like worried about what's going to happen in 10 years and stuff. No, no, no. You need to worry about when they first put it in your arm, but also need to know that it's adverse and it doesn't happen quite often. So we're not anti-vax and we still encourage you to get vaccinated. Shit, I tried to get on the waiting list today, Mike. You know, I'm still trying to get mine, so. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not, even though, you know, Hagler went down from an adverse complication and, and some others have, I'm still going to get mine. I'm still not afraid of that initial reaction. It's It doesn't mm. happen often, but RIP to one of the greatest boxes ever. Indeed. And on that note, we will be back on Wednesday's edition of Shots Fired with Chisanga and Kairos. And um, as I mentioned, G will be out again with me tomorrow in Trash OMFG. So help us celebrate G week all week. Um, You can actually find us on Twitter if you wanted to or if you wanted to continue any of the conversations that we've started on this podcast i'm at mike woe tv on twitter how can people find you g just gina mma okay until tomorrow when we meet again in podcast form <laughs> talk to you tomorrow mate yep <laughs>